The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. I have to tell you, we're talking about politics today. So everyone let out the sigh that you want to let out. And start flipping to Mark. Start flipping to Mark chapter 12, because we're in our series, How to Argue Like Jesus. For those of you that love to argue, this is the place for you. Uh, if you don't love to argue, or if you hate politics, this is the sermon where you're not going to enjoy it. But don't worry, as much as you don't enjoy it, I enjoy it even less. You ready? So I'm going to pray. Because the first service, I only made a few people cry, and I don't think anyone left the chapel over it. So that's my goal for this service. A few people cry, nobody leaves the chapel over it. Sound like a plan? Before we start... If you, raise, if you voted for Trump, will you raise your hand? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. I just want to see if you're ready, okay? And we're going to pray because um, somebody is going to get upset. And by the way, my phone number is going to be up here, and, uh, and you can text in questions related to the sermon, and I'm just going to weave them all in. And I'm, I'm still getting questions from the first service that people are still sending me right now. Um, but, but text those in as they come, and we will, we will wire them into the message as God sees fit. Let's, let's open up in prayer. Father, uh, last service, Lord, I felt the weight lifted from me, so I'm excited that, that this service gets to be a little more loose and free up here. But, Lord, I, I pray that above all things today, we wouldn't be bearing our banners of Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Libertarian, Independent, political left, political right, far right, far left, deep in the middle, Lord. I pray that we would put all of those political banners to the side and that we would be first and foremost above all things your followers. That we would remember whose kingdom we belong to and that we would have love for you and for others. Lord, help us to see people across the political aisles from us as those who you created in your image and sent Jesus to the cross for. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, Amen. I'm gonna, I'll weave in some of the questions from first service as well, just because they might be on your mind since they were on some of the people's there. And, and one of them really kicks off the message, why do we even talk about politics, or why are we even talking about politics at church? Because Jesus' first thing he ever said in the book of Mark was a political statement. The very first thing Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, verse 15 is, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, we don't think in kingdom mindsets as much anymore. We're more countries or governments. But when he said the kingdom of God is at hand, he was making a political statement. There is the Roman kingdom, there is the Jewish leadership, but the true kingdom of God, the God of gods, is, is here. Believe in this gospel. And then toward the end of his life, a few weeks ago, we looked at the triumphal entry when Jesus rode in on the donkey and they put palm branches and coats before him. That was what people did in the Old Testament when a king was coming back. It was a symbol to say the king has arrived. And now today, before we read the text in Mark chapter 12, verse 13 to 17, I just need to say a few caveats. If you want to get mad at me today, I'm fine with that. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Left, Right, whatever party you are, the most important question that I believe we should ask in, in priming ourselves for this is not, is God on our side, but are we on God's side? We have to recognize, too, I, I believe, you could disagree with me if you want, send your hate mail to my text. You could text me all the things you're angry at me for. I will swipe right or left, whichever one is the delete. The Bible does not endorse one particular platform over another. 
Some people may argue that their party supports Christian values more than the other party. In every election cycle, the Christian right and the Christian left seem to look at each other and, and think, I don't understand the other party. And even some of you right now, I feel it in my blood. When I said Christian left, I felt in my blood people on the Christian right saying, there's no such thing as a Christian left. Did anyone feel that? I felt it. And I'm just preaching this to myself, okay? But you may say, my party has, we embrace more Christian values. And I would ask you, which, which ones or whose Christian values? Which Christian values are we talking about? Are we talking about justice and protection for the unborn? Or are we talking about justice and protection for the poor and the oppressed? Are we talking about our right to hold private property? Or are we talking about our obligation throughout the Bible to care for others, foreigners and aliens? Specifically, the Bible talks about over and over and over again. Are we talking about our desire to bring people in and open up doors to the family of God? Or are we talking about our desire to protect our privacy and safety? One of the questions I got between services, because I talked about including people, which is, it generally is a left-leaning policy, democratic policy. They said, why are there gates in heaven? I think that person thought they had me. I haven't replied back to them yet, but I will. There's gates in heaven because there's one kingdom that reigns with ultimate truth throughout all of time. There is one kingdom to which there will be no end, and that kingdom is the one where Jesus himself sits on the throne. I'm not going to get into whether or not we should build the wall, but we're going to talk about it later, and some of you will text angry emojis at me. But I will say that the Bible repeatedly says, care for the foreigners, care for the aliens, care for the foreigners, care for the aliens, care for those who are traveling among you, care for those who are going through your lands. So before we jump into the text today, I need you to know that the politics we're going to talk about try to divide us. But Jesus is going to show us how he argued politics, and it's just similar to what we talked about last week. We're going to look at this text of a political trap. Let's jump into it. Mark 12, verse 13. They sent to him, to Jesus, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians. These are two political groups. Pharisees were conservative, religious. Herodians were uh, status quo. Let's just keep things the same. It's sort of like uh, Republicans and Libertarians are the Herodians. They sent them to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Here's the trap. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is on this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to him, said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. Politics are a trap. They're trying to trap you and I, just like these politicians were trying to trap Jesus. The reason I know they're a trap is because they lure us in with what we call clickbait or headlines or news stories. Some of you are in, involved in different traps. 
and and I'm not being discriminatory here. They're all traps. CNN has their own traps. Fox has their own traps. MSNBC has their own traps. And those of you who are like, well, good news for me, I don't watch any of those. I get all of my news from the most reliable source, my peers on Facebook, also a trap. When the, the two political groups are coming to Jesus, the Herodians were for paying the tax because it kept the status quo. It kept things going the way that they are, and that's just okay for them. Just bare minimum, let's keep on moving. The Pharisees were against the tax because it represented the Jewish subjugation, that the Jewish people were under the foot of Rome. So that's why they sent these two groups, because the one thing they had in common was that they wanted to own Jesus and trap him. Because Jesus was messing up both of their political parties. And oftentimes, that will be the case in our current state of things. Jesus will enter into something and mess up both political parties because he is not partisan. One thing that I love about um, about Jesus is that he does what we talked about last week in this learning how to argue mini-series. If you want to learn how to argue like Jesus, it always starts with hitting the pause button, stepping away from the, the dirt level argument and saying, how does God see everything that's going on here? How does God see that person and this person? How does God look at this subject we're talking about? And until you can learn to hit the pause button, step out of the argument for a moment, and ask what is God seeing in this situation, until you can do that, we will all have a tendency to get caught up in arguing. We will all have a tendency to fall into the political trap. No matter where I go, politics comes up. As soon as uh, people find out I'm a pastor and they pastorize me, they instantly bring up political conversations. It's never, oh, you're a pastor? That's crazy. What do you believe about Jesus? Or which whatever, which religion are you? Which denomination? Those are second, third, fourth tier question. The first thing that happens when somebody pastorizes me is they stop cussing in front of me briefly. And then they'll start tracking in their brain all the bad words they've said in front of me. And then I tell them, especially on uh, my Fortnite friends, and I know I've been talking a little bit about, about Fortnite, but one of my Fortnite friends is here today. For, for real, you guys, I met somebody randomly in Fortnite, and they're here today. Don't judge us. We're just dads trying to love our kids, okay? Jeez. But, um, but they track back. And then what happens, weirdly, is that eventually people will start asking me questions, whether it's at the brewery or somewhere else, and it's always political. Oh, you're a pastor. What do you think about uh, transgender? What do you think about abortion? What do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about gay marriage? And it's always these, these moral, political topics they want to dive right into. Right now, these politicians, these religious groups are trying to give Jesus something that was relevant to them. This was their hot topic of the day. Do you pay taxes to Caesar or don't you? Because one side says we should, one side says we shouldn't. And if you're going to disagree and make one of us mad, Jesus said, pause. I'm going to step over here and I'm going to show you what actually matters. When you want to talk about politics, I'm going to show you the true and ultimate politic over all things. I want to point to the government that will go and transcend all governments throughout all time. So he comes at them from a different angle. It's a good thing. If you're ever arguing politics with somebody, don't walk into the trap that they're setting for you. Hit pause. And I usually will approach from a different angle. Because we're going to talk about a lot of things, and you can text me all the questions you want. I've seen them all, good, bad, angry, from last service already. And, and believe me, I, I knew confidently that first service was going to be the tougher service this morning. You guys are more reasonable folk, okay? 
Never tell the first service that. They're not watching Facebook Live because they were already here. But things like abortion, which has come up in the, in the news again, people want to talk to me about that often. Build the wall. Do you like Trump? Do you not like Trump? And that's the trap that our current political climate sets for us. What we need to do is hit pause and go higher. Take them to a place that's above and beyond. Because the thing about abortion isn't just that I think as a pastor that it's bad. Uh, and I know it's bad. And I have this, this hunch, this feeling that everyone knows it's bad. And it's been weird seeing people celebrate abortion in the news and trying to fight for, for abortion. And here's why I think I, I've got this very anecdotal argument of why I, I believe everyone knows abortion is wrong. Because nobody looks at their daughter and says, I hope she gets an abortion when she grows up. I don't care what political aisle you're on. At least I haven't met that person yet. That may come. But people want us to walk into that trap. So instead, I, I usually sidestep it. Because arguing about these things right now, these are people's walls that they're putting up. And most of us are never going to change the walls that we have. As a matter of fact, even today, my goal isn't to change anyone's political perspective on your tribe, but it's to get you to, to ride Christ above the fray so that we're no longer driven by our emotions. We're no longer looking to our politicians for the hope that only Jesus can provide so that we can take off our masks. Because one thing that Jesus did to these Pharisees was brilliant. First, they come buttering him up. Jesus, we know that you're true. We know that you don't care what people think. You're not swayed by appearances. We should take note from that. Not being swayed by appearances. We are drawn to powerful, rich, beautiful, smart people. We should take note. It's difficult for some people in the chapel to look at Donald Trump and think, yay. For other people in the chapel, they look at Donald Trump and I think deep in their hearts, they're, they're thinking, that is a stud of studs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew somebody would like that. There's one person. I know that sometimes there are people in here who might see Pelosi and, and hear her talk and think, that is a fountain of wisdom. Some people read Trump's tweets and they think, what a bold and brave man. Some people listen to Pelosi and they think, I don't trust her. Some people listen to Trump's tweets or read Trump's tweets and they think, that guy is a train wreck of a garbage disposal for a mouth. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you guys. I'm not preaching to me. No, I'm preaching to me. Because here's what Jesus does. He, he knows that they're coming to butter him up. Politicians wear masks. If you're unaware of the, where the word hypocrite comes from, it literally means mask wearer, mask wearing. So the politician, religious people came up with their masks on. They painted the happy face that we're going to be chums. We just have a question for you, great teacher great teacher who's doing all these amazing things, they put on their ma masks to trap Jesus. The news anchors are all wearing masks. The commentators, the pundits, the politicians are wearing masks. As a matter of fact, one of the questions from first service was, how do we elect our leaders? I, I don't agree with any party. I don't find myself fitting in any party. Here's the reason why. Because politicians 
are wearing so many masks, you don't know who the real person is behind the masks. But so do we. We all put on masks. Right now, we're all wearing our church masks. Politicians, the reason why sometimes you try to press in and figure out, man, in these primaries, which of these candidates is the best? I can't tell. I like this one, but then they said that, and I don't get that because here's what happens with being a politician. You get your first mask, and then you get one mask over here. Then you get another mask back here, then another mask over here. And then because the way our politics are, they have another mask out of the other orifice they speak out of somewhere back here. And they just say things to please the person in front of them. Jesus saw through it. And he said, look, you're, you think that, that this tax thing, Pharisees, you, conservatives, Pharisees, you think this tax thing is, is if we lift the tax, then you'll be free? That's not going to free you. Herodians, you think that if we keep paying the tax and, and just do nothing about it, that you'll finally reach the happiness in life? You're both wrong. Whose image is on this coin? It was Tiberius, son of the god Maximus. That's whose image was on the coin. Jesus, the son of God, the creator of all. Jesus said, whose image? Oh, that's, that's Tiberius' image. Give that back to him. It's, it's his image. Go to him. Sidebar, pay your taxes, people. Don't cheat taxes. As a pastor, one of my least favorite conversations is, with somebody who asks me a question that's that explicit in the Bible. If you come to me and say, well, I've been fudging on my taxes, I'm going to say, you dirty sinner, you need Jesus. Instead, Jesus says, oh, give the image of Caesar back to Caesar. And if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the, the word image in the Bible, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make man in our image. Jesus is hitting pause, saying, you think it's about this tax thing? I'm going to show you what this is actually about. This political game that we're all playing in our country right now is about this same thing. We are looking to something else to be our savior, to be our satisfaction that is not Jesus. Jesus said, this image is an earthly thing. You give that image back to Caesar, you give the other thing that God's image is on to God. God's image is, is you and I, the person next to you, as horrendous as they might look to you or as beautiful as they might look, is God's image. God looks very unique this morning, especially here, actually. God's image is imprinted on our faces, in our personalities, in our experiences. God's fingerprints are all over every single person. Imagine the change that would happen if two politicians who despise each other, let's just say hypothetically Trump and Pelosi, because they're in the news a lot, they get together, and instead of just putting on a mask, they both take off their masks, and they start the conversation with, you are made in the image of God and loved by God so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. Whether or not they believe it, I think that would change a lot of things. When you remember that the person across from you when you remember that if you're a Republican, the Democrat, if you're a Democrat, the Republican, when you remember that, that God loves them so much that he would send Jesus to die for them, I think it changes the way you talk about politics. And it's, it's weird when you're preparing for a sermon on a topic like this, which we rarely talk about at the chapel, only when it comes up in the text as we go through the books of the Bible. It's I watched so much news this week, you guys. 
Does anyone else get news fatigue? Like, Pod Save America, it's a liberal podcast, listened to tons of it. Ben Shapiro, it's a conservative podcast, listened to tons of it. I had to slow it down because he talks so fast. CNN, I, I watched a ton of it. MSNBC, I didn't. And then Fox, I watched some of it. And by the end of this week, I just turned it off and wanted to throw up. Because I realized that I was guilty of the same thing that, that I'm asking us to, to not do today. Is to not look to something in politics to be our savior. And to not look at people that have a different political viewpoint from us as the enemy. People with a diff different viewpoint from you are objects and creations of God. Loved by God enough to where Jesus would die for them as well as you. And if Jesus would die for you, he would die for them. So we're going to take 30 seconds to soften our hearts before we continue. I want you to pray for people on the other side of the political aisle from you. So if, like, Sean Hannity is your homie, I want you to pray for, like, Rachel Maddow or Don Lemon. If Don Lemon's your dude, I want you to shoot up prayers uh, for, for Tucker Carlson. If Trump's, if you're like, if right now you, you're a closet MAGA hat wearing person, you just stuffed your MAGA hat in your purse, I want you to pray for Pelosi. If you're still rocking your Obama hope shirt, I want you to pray for Trump. And here's what we're going to pray. We're not going to pray those Old Testament prayers, Lord, smite them into dust. Okay? You're going to pray God's wisdom, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's divine direction that these leaders would Shape our culture in a way that draws people toward Christ, toward love, toward grace, toward forgiveness. You're not going to pray smiting, bone-crushing prayers because 1 Timothy calls us to pray God's blessings upon them. So take 30 seconds, pray for your enemies, don't cheat, go. Okay, so here's how you argue politics like Jesus. You hit pause and you get to the core issue that actually matters. When Jesus said, give to God's what is God, he was saying, you are the image of God. So give all of you to God as your primary thing. This governing body thing that exists here on earth, they're all temporary. One day there will be no more Republicans and Democrats. The reason I know this is because every political system that has ever existed in the past is slowly wiped away and a new one replaces it. And in case you haven't noticed, new ones are always popping up. New ones are always popping up. And you might think, well, you know, I am a free market capitalist. And those socialist people are idiots. I need you to replace this in your mind with, I am someone who believes in money. And those people who want to share everything, they're dumb. Could you imagine saying those words? 
It, it's weird. I was, I was reading one person politically, and, and, I, and they brought something up that really triggered something interesting in my mind. They said, in my family, I'm a socialist. And I thought, huh, that's true. I guess I am a socialist in my family. But then with, like, my friends, you know, I'm more of a communist. I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's and then they said, with, with my local politics, I'm more of a Democrat because I want the poor in my area to be taken care of. But with my national scope of relationships, I'm a conservative Republican. Just leave me alone, stay away from me, make laws, protect my borders. Now, I don't agree with all that, but it was interesting that this person had the wherewithal to splice their life up. And what we don't understand is that the main purpose of leaders, according to, to Daniel 2, God sets up kings and tears down kings. God is not caught off guard. God wasn't there watching the 2016 election like, oh my gosh, who's going to win? Such a nail biter. God knew who was going to win. God sets them up and places them down like chess. Like he just pawn to F4. Bishop here. I, I've been playing chess with my kids and I, I don't like it. Okay, my, my daughter doesn't know how to play chess. She's five. But she wants to play chess all the time. And one of the things early on is that she doesn't understand how the pieces move. And she gets confused. And, and it's weird because um, she always takes the king out. Because in our family, the king is the most powerful person because we call me the king. Okay? That's how this works. And she's like, I'm going to bring my king out. And, uh, and I tell her, baby, just like in chess, chess is like reality. In real life, the queen is far more powerful than the king. Like, leave him back and send out the queen. She can kill everything. The king just sits in like two or three squares and then falls over in the end. Like that's what happens to the king. The queen can just thrash. And she goes, oh, so I am going to be a queen. I'm like, maybe? I don't know. God, God's doing it all. God says, we're going to put Trump here. We're going to put Kim Jong-un there. We're going to have the British prime minister here and then not there. And, and then America is going to be big. And then eventually America is going to be small. The Middle East will always be there. People are going to fight here. The Middle East government is this. And, and you're thinking, wait, God's in charge of all of that? The Bible says he sets up kings and tears them down. God is not scratching his head thinking, how do I get rid of Kim Jong-un? For the maximum glory of Jesus, God is raising things up. He's moving pieces around so that people will come to know the love and grace and forgiveness of God. This is what he is doing. And when we argue about the things on the earth, like just saying those triggering phrases, build the wall. It is a crazy thought that you could say build a wall and it could make so many people take such a harsh side. My kids come home from school, my fifth grader especially. Fifth grader, it sounds so weird. Getting too old. His friends will say that. They'll say, oh, build the wall. And they've got these poems, you know, build the wall like Donald Trump something, something. I don't know, something about a dump. And instantly, and we're here. Oh, yeah, build the wall. Some of us, why build the wall? Here's a question I believe we should ask as followers of Jesus. Not how safe can we be. Not is the wall a good idea or a bad idea. As Christians, we are not primarily connected to a party. You might be but I, I'm telling you there's a better way to be. It's to go from whose name is on this, whose image is on this, to whose image am I. And the image that we are is the one who stands above all other political systems. And his primary concern is not 
whether to build a wall or not. His primary concern is, I'm going to save and adopt as many people throughout the span of history as I can into my family. One of my friends earlier today, we were talking, he said, you know, you really made me think about something. Because I said, maybe we should not build a wall. Maybe we should all be sanctuary cities. To which I know, I, if you're a right-leaning Republican, I just made your spine shiver up to your soul. And I said, maybe we should do that because then we don't even have to send missionaries. We could bring all the people to learn about Jesus right here. We could still send missionaries. But is that a thought? Because what does God have us on this earth for? Is it to be safe, to make a bunch of money, to buy a car and a house and die? It's to share the good news of Jesus with a hurting and broken world, with the downtrodden and the oppressed. This should be our primary concern above all. When we're voting, if we are image bearers and we want to go bring God's love to other image bearers, our primary concern would be how, what policies, what leaders will open the greatest number of doors for us to share the good news of Jesus with the most number of people. And this isn't, it's nuanced. It's not just, oh, well, so sanctuary cities are good. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, think about it. I'm saying, think, think beyond your political party and rise up to God's party, which will reign forever. The reason there are walls in heaven, by the way, is because that is the once and for all, end all, be all, where God's patience that he has been doling out and giving out and giving out and giving out and God's saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. And people are saying, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. There will come a time when the doors of history closes and God will say, you chose not to. And I opened the doors and you chose not to and chose not to, so I'm giving you your choice forever. That is not our role. That is not this country's role. And our role as Christians in this country is to support our government to be involved in our government, to pray for our leaders, and to maximize the number of people that come to know the good news of Jesus. That can be anything from sanctuary cities or sending out support to care for the poor, or that can be things like opening doors so that kids are allowed to talk about Jesus in school and pray in school. It bewilders me, because I didn't grow up in the church, and it, it bewilders me that people are so anti-prayer in school. If you haven't noticed, what's happened in our culture is that we've sucked out religion. But what people who are doing these things didn't realize, or maybe they did, is that every human on planet Earth has to live for something greater than themselves. And every human on planet Earth looks for something bigger than themselves to save them. The Bible in Ecclesiastes 3 says, eternity is written on the heart of men. Which means in the heart of every person, we know that there's something bigger and more. And when you take out religion, when you take out Christianity, when you take out spirituality, something is going to fill that vacuum, and what we've filled it with is politics. That's the current state of things. This is why on election day in 2020, you're going to see somebody screaming. I know you've seen it, because I've seen it. Somebody's candidate loses, and someone else just breaks down in despair. The last election was a classic example of this. Hillary was the shoe in. She was going to make it in. And when Trump won, people lost it. And I thought, that's because they thought their political system, their political candidate would deliver them from their personal hells in this life. 
It doesn't matter which side you're on. I'm just I'm telling you why we get so angry about it right now. Why there's people that are that are throwing food at at people from different political parties. Why there are people that are rising up. Like how in the world is white supremacy even a thing again? It, it, it boggled my mind. Some of you are saying, "Well, it never went away." I'll tell you what. It sure feels a bit worse now than it did in the late 90s to me, to me, because I remember in the 80s walking around with my mom and my brother, and my mom was still talking about it to me, like, hey, not everyone thinks it's okay to have a, a, a mixed-race children. My, one of my first girlfriends, their mom said, you've got to break up with me when she found out I was Asian. Like, oh, half Asian, you can't date him. This is in 1994, and then it seemed to get more peaceful. And, and now, like, white supremacy is even a thing again. Because somebody's put their hope in an ideal above a savior. Someone's put, put their idea of what the picture of heaven will look like above what Christ said it looks like. That's my, my big thing with racism or any other thing like that. I'm like, look, racism, build the wall, whatever. Here's what I want to do. Tear down every wall. Tell as many people about Jesus as possible. And whenever I talk to people who are um, racist, it cracks me up because... Uh, I've met people who just staunchly devoted to Jesus and racist and Republican BTW. And I say, dude, you're going you're gonna to hate heaven so much because there's going to be so many languages and people and skin colors. There's going to be so many people that don't believe anything. And they're like, well, how do you know? Because Jesus wasn't white, dude. We can go right at these things or we can hit pause, step aside, and remember that no matter what political system you believe in, it is so far down the ladder from God's political system. And we could look at people like enemies or opponents or we could look at them like objects of God's love for whom he sent Jesus to die on the cross for. We can argue and fight about things because we've put politics in a place in our heart where only Jesus should be. Or we can finally let down our guard and say, whose image am I? Let me put my hope and trust in that. And that changes everything. It changes the way we talk about abortion. <laughs> Where I stand in abortion, what I said earlier, I've never met a person who has a daughter who's three years old and says, I hope my daughter grows up to have an abortion. Gosh, I can't even talk about this topic. So here's my standpoint on abortion for the second person who asked today, um, politically. When people want to talk to me about abortion, if I'm going to argue like Jesus, I'll usually say something like that. I've never met the person who dreams that for their, their, their wife, their daughter, their aunt, their mother, their grandma. I've never met that person who says, my hope for you is death. So I think we, we know intrinsically that it's painful and bad. My other aspect about abortion politically that I despise is that um, Christians are known, and I know this is fringe Christians. I know that we don't have very many picketers in here. There may be a closet picketer I don't know about. But Christians are known for picketing and being angry and vitriolic toward those who get abortions or perform abortions. Um, we, should, we should understand the pain that somebody's going through that's having that. And we should remember that even the person that's performing the abortions, the doctor, is someone who isn't waking up each morning clanking their fingers together saying, today I get to kill babies. That's not their thing. 
They don't think that usually. They're thinking my job is to terminate and remove a cluster of cells, a fetus from a woman. It's not a person. But as Christians, we're terrible at demonizing people. We demonize those with differing sexuality views, transgendered homosexual relationships. We, we demonize them. God's image. They're made in God's image. The, the school shooter that's ever shot up any school, made in God's image. Terrorists who blew up the Twin Towers. Terrorists who, have, who attacked the nightclub in Orlando, made in God's image. Democrats, Republicans, both made in God's image. Trump, made in God's image. Now, you may not like the things that come out of some of God's image's mouths, but that doesn't mean that they're not made in God's image. So when we talk about abortion or sexuality, when we're there, we have to remember that this is a human being made in the image of God, given the breath of God to breathe in and out and to experience God is the, the cry of their soul and ours. And if God loved someone like me, he could love someone like any of them. Politics is something that we need to rise above. So we're not trying to save people with our systems, but rather pointing to the one person that saves all things and all systems. Let's see if there's any more questions. Yes, thou shalt not kill. Uh, technically, the commandment is thou shalt not murder. Applies to babies. Sidebar, Jesus says if you've held anger in your heart against someone else you've already murdered, you're literally sitting next to a murderer right now. Every married person in this room has murdered their spouse in their brains. You're laughing about that? Like, what if it was an actual murderer? Oh my gosh, you guys are sadistic. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Uh, oh my gosh, these memes are classic. Who's ever sending these memes? Go at it the rest of the day, please. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna do today. If I miss your questions, text me again because they kind of are getting bombarded. Because I know some of the people they're sending these that aren't even here. I think they're just angrier because I was, I was really preaching Republican Democrat last service, but I wanted to be kinder to you today, this service. Here's the thing, you guys. Hit the pause button when politics come up and ask yourself, how does Jesus see that person and this topic? Because build the wall, it's a piece of brick stuff, metal. Jesus isn't looking at walls. He's looking at the immigrant on that side and the citizen on this side, and, he, and he's saying, I want them to know Jesus, whatever gets them to know Jesus most, let's do that. Abortion, homosexuality, transgender, step aside and say, what does Jesus see? He sees a person who's lifting up sexuality as their identity. By the way, that's not just uh, people of, of non-traditional sexual preferences that do that. Christianity has made marriage and heterosexuality an idol. It's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous when we think that marriage will save us. The only people that think that are single people. Remember that God's image is on all of us. And the way that we engage with people has to change everything. And the way to get involved in politics is to remind people by your actions, attitude, and behavior and words that you live for a kingdom that is eternal. And these things are just passing through. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you would um, send Jesus to be the, the king of all kings. And that one day all of these petty government things will be drawn to an end. Lord, we, you, you ask us to pray for our leaders. So we pray for, for our executive branch. We pray for Donald Trump. We pray that your wisdom would take over his mind. We pray that your mercy and kindness and tenderness 
would be markedly increased in our branches of Congress. We pray that justice, that true justice would reign supreme in our courts. Lord, we ask that as citizens of this government, I ask, God, that you would make us painfully aware of the times when politics becomes our false savior, our little savior, and we would remember whose image we are. Help us, God, not to step into political traps. Help us, God, not to wear political masks, but to be people who, with all honesty and transparency, can serve you and love you with all of our being. Who can push back the darkness in our communities by feeding the poor and the hungry. Who can adopt the orphans and care for the children who have no parents. Who can release people and free people from the throes of addiction. Help us shape politics up on high in D.C. through the actions that we carry here in Tampa and Hillsboro. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen.